In our time of technology, social media, television, and such, there are so many voices vying for our attention, and it can become very difficult deciding who to listen to. Today on Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake, we'll be reminded that we are to remain alert and watch diligently for false prophets. Drake Hunter is senior pastor at Elevating Life Church in Fort Morgan, Colorado, founder of the nonprofit Four Dimensional Living, as well as the author of three books, including his latest, Wonderfully Weird, and the soon to be published fourth book, Wonderfully Weird Goodness. Now, this week's edition of Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake Hunter. And we do welcome you back once again to Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake. I'm your host, John Waters, and with me, fortunately, Pastor Drake. Hello. Hello, and good day, John. Welcome back to your show. <laughs> I enjoy being here in partnership with you, John. It's our show. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, uh, today, as I uh, talked about in the opening of the program, Drake, uh, so many voices that just keep hitting us day after day after day with uh, with their own version of truth. Yes. And uh, you know, and it's it can become extremely difficult to make your way through that muddy mess of voices and that cacophony of sound to uh, really find out what the truth is and to discern the truth. And that's what we wanted to talk about today uh, with the Wonderfully Weird Command. Yeah, the Wonderfully Weird Command, beware of false prophets. And, and you're absolutely right, John. There are so many voices, let's just say in our head, because of our teachings and those we've hang around with and, and have, you know, uh, you know, just connected with throughout the years and, of course, our experiences. And you, you used a key word there. How do we discern you know, those voices. And of course, as, as a Christ follower, first and foremost, our priority is to get the voice of our Savior into our head, first and foremost. And we know with that, our Savior, Jesus, is always about the Father's business and getting uh, the, the Father's voice in our head that then work together with us and with others where we are truly carrying out the great commandment in the way it is taught purely in the scripture where we are truly being effective then uh, in the faith where we're not only being fulfilled but we're also uh, being fruitful and effective in the faith. Uh, I think of the Great Commission here. You have the Great Commandment and the Great Commission that have to be in relationship so that then you are moving forward. And the only way to do that is we have to get the pure voices or the pure voice of God in our head in the sense of the Great Commission Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, where we are th truly discerning that and then being discreet with that, of course, where we then can discern the false prophets and the true ministers in Christ, because we're all ministers in Christ, where we're going to truly uh, fight the good fight and truly carry out God's plan here, now, in our reality, and for all eternity. And it does come back to that reality, because uh, oftentimes, uh, people do not live in reality. They live in the ideal of this, their perfectionist or whatever, and we miss the mark every time. So we're going to look at hopefully reality today uh, in the sense of the plan that we have with this show, uh, because this is an important command. Very, very important to be, and you use the word, uh, John, be alert. Alertness rather than being careless in the faith. 
And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, so with that, are you ready, John? I think we're ready. And if folks want to uh, join us on this, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, as we continue the wonderfully weird commands of Christ. And Drake, as folks uh, may be turning there in their Bible or on their uh, their uh, uh, device, whatever it is that they have their Bible app on, I know you like to start off with a question to help us to focus in on the topic. So give us your question for this week. Here is the question. And it's it's a doozy, John. Okay. Is religion destroying your relationship with God and others and causing you to be ineffective in the faith and life? Ooh. (laughs) Now, let me say this. It could be. And that's why we need to obey and honor this command, beware of false prophets. Now, we see this command in exactly where people are turning or should be there now, uh, Matthew chapter 7. But before I read it, thoughts, John? Well, you use the word in your question, is religion destroying your relationship with God and others? And um, uh, I've said for a long time that in many ways, religion is the worst enemy of Christianity, because it brings all the rules and regulations and tries to, uh, we try to save ourselves through how good we are, rather than relying on God. Yes, and then if you're in the Christian faith, because you might negotiate that a little differently, but uh, that's for the lost world, but you can be very religious even as a Christian. Now, in the sense of uh, the law and all that, but a religious person lives under the law or under the standards of God, or under the expectations, again, under the law. And so what happens there is we become religious without even realizing it. And then what happens is rather than being fulfilled and effective in the faith, we kind of fall into our subjectiveness, we become defensive, and then we become stubborn in that, that's pride, and we never experience the the true or should I say total reality of God, the integrity of God, where we are truly fulfilled and we're being effective. And so, yes, uh, it's a world, uh, it's the world religion we're concerned about. And there's many people who have not truly accepted Christ and they're living under the law of this world or under some religious pretense or whatever that is. But again, we speak to the Christian audience here. Are you religious in the Christian faith? And you very well may be, and we have to understand this, because if not, uh, we'll fall into misery, hate, bitterness, everything that is opposing the fruit of the Spirit or the effectiveness in the faith. Hell on earth. Hell on earth, yes, and we'll definitely talk about that. But let's look at where this general command, we call them the general commands of Jesus, or the wonderfully weird commands of Christ, uh, where this sits. Uh, The command, again, is beware of false prophets. Here is where it sits. Now, here's the voice of Jesus. Watch out for false prophets, Jesus says. They come to you in sheep's clothing. I need to pause here because let's not look too deep into sheep. I've heard all kinds of message messages on about sheep and all that. Primarily, or should I say typically speaking, when you read the word sheep, it means direction. Okay, And I share that because there's a lot of preachers out there are talking about how dirty sheep are and all this other you know stuff that's just not relevant. Uh, primarily speaking, sheep, when you see that, read that in Scripture, it means the direction of Jesus or the direction of God. And so he say, they, now these folks, these false prophets come to you 
in this false direction. Or we can say, yeah, in these sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. That means they're not fulfilled. There's no peace. There's this civil war going on, as we talked about a few, I think, months ago now. Uh, but inwardly, uh, they are, they're that. Let me say that again. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. And then, of course, we get to verse 16 at the very beginning. And Jesus resolves this issue. It's not as complicated as everybody thinks it is to identify false prophets. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, John, let me ask you, where in Scripture does Paul talk about the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, Galatians chapter 5. Black and white, folks. And we want to negotiate this. Some people talk about intent. Yes, perhaps it's part of trust. But it's talking exactly the fruit that Jesus is talking about is then revealed in Galatians chapter 5, where we are very not only aware of it, but we know what they are. We understand them uh, and we should get into them in the faith and by their fruit now, be it a minister of Christ or a false prophet, you will know them. And once you study and, and really get into the life of Christ, because you always want to be studying the real thing. Right. And Jesus is the real thing. And when we study it so well, to the point of where we're in our experience and a false prophet walks in, you know it. You know the counterfeit because you know Jesus so well. I was just going to say, we talked about this a number of months ago yes. with uh, those who are charged with finding counterfeit money. They don't study the counterfeits. They study the real thing so much that the counterfeit becomes obvious. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what every Christian should be doing. It's amazing how many people are studying the enemy. Mm-hmm. Now, let me say this. We need to beware of the enemy. That's exactly what this command is saying. Beware of the false prophet. But you should not be centered or focused in your reality. Your center and focus is Jesus Christ, the real thing. And if you're not there and you cannot connect that well in, in the purity and the total reality and the total truth of who Jesus is, you're missing the mark, as Paul says. Now, we're not here to pick on anything. We're just here to kind of reveal a gap, let's say. Well, let's close the gap and let's do it the way Scripture teaches and through the authority of Jesus Christ to see if we can't change uh, some things about our reality in our day and age, not only personally, but collectively uh, in the overall uh, Christian faith, because that's what we're all about, is we want to reach the potential of God's goodness together. Well, let's, uh, let's take a word that you and I have both used already here in our time together, and that is being alert or alertness. And uh, talk about that a little bit, Drake, in, in view of this command, beware of false prophets, about alertness. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? The wonderfully weird command, beware of false prophet, is about being alert. Again, alertness versus carelessness. Now, alert first and foremost towards the reality, the realities of the Christian faith. First toward the goodness of what that is, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You see, that is key. When we were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that then gives us the, the it should gives us, give us the mindset and the experience then to dwell within the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in our studies and, and, and uh, connecting with other people. Uh, that's what it means. We are baptized. We're drenched in that. 
And again, going back to what we've already said, we've got to get into the, the realism of that in reality, not the ideal. And let me say this, if you're living in the ideal of that, you're known as a perfectionism or perfectionist, excuse me. And we don't want to live in the idea. We want that vision to be our, our, our ideal, but we've got to come back in reality where we're at so that then we can truly develop and grow through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and baptize our entire reality with God. Like the Apostle Paul says, I continue to run the race. I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, you will not finish it until you are face to face on this other side, uh, on the other side of time. And so once we understand that, uh, then we should have a different reality. Because if you are not fulfilled, Christian, and if you do not have uh, results in the sense of the fruit of the Spirit, not only in your relationships, but also in what you do practically, uh, we have some work to do. Let's not miss the mark and let's go after that ideal goodness of God, but come back to reality where we're at and one pebble at a time, just move forward in the good fight so that we can be more like Jesus on an, a moment by moment, uh, let's say experience or reality. So we have the uh, alertness of the reality of God's goodness. Now talk about the other side. Yeah, the other side is alertness towards the dangers of let me say it this way, religious influencers or false prophets and, and teachers. Now, John, I don't know if you know this. It's kind of ironic. Today, as we record this, today is National Teachers Day. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful day to say, beware of the false teachers and also the prophets, because they're out there. Now, how do, you know, how do we know that? So we have to be alert of that. And the way you do that, again, we have to go back exactly what we're talking about. If you know Jesus and, and, and God, the Father's direction, and know how to align yourself with, with the uh, ways of Jesus and perform through the Holy Spirit and the breath of God, boy, I tell you, when a false prophet come in, again, you're going to know immediately. So you're going to be uh, you're gonna beware, beware of that, but you're going to be aware of that as well. And then we're not freaked out. We're not scared about it. But then we know how to negotiate it and chart that course quickly because we have to get the problem out so we can get back to the purpose. Again, the problem's never the issue. It's how quickly we can resolve it to get back to God's purpose. Right, right. So I think it's self-evident at this point, but let me just ask this simple question. Why is this command important? <laughs> it is. I chuckle a little bit because we don't want to be unfulfilled and fruitless in our faith and life. Or in other words, we don't want to become religious ourselves and then us in turn be that false prophet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, let's uh, take some time here, Drake, and uh, talk about the characteristics of this command that Jesus gave us, beware of false prophets. Absolutely. And, you know, character again, characteristics of this particular teachings of Jesus is, is so clear once you know how to understand habits and what that looks like in somebody's life. And of course, your life. Uh, let me say that. Let's make sure that we're taking the plank out of our own eye first, mm-hmm. and then we can take care of our brothers and sisters. But here's one characteristic, or w- we can see clearly in, in a person. They are somebody who is obeying and honoring this command. They are fulfilled and fruitful. Now, we understand this, the great commandment and the great commission. Now, the great commandment, and that sits in Matthew and Mark and, and Luke, the great commandment, 
is love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So first and foremost, the great commandment brings fulfillment if you're doing it properly. And it's amazing how many people are at, at war with their own soul and God and others because they're not following this greatest command. And we know this when this command is properly being uh, applied, let's say, and you're practicing it, you're growing in it, we know fulfillment is going to be the fruit. Uh, or can we say the habit as well becomes second nature. And John, let me ask you, how many Christians, uh, we'll just say people, do we know that are not fulfilled? Mm -hmm. uh, there is no peace. There's a fruit of the Spirit. Peace meaning they're dysfunctional. They're all over the place. There's no peace and order in their life. It's everything but in their relationships and also in what they do. It's, they're a mess. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, uh, we can go to other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace. Rather than love, bitterness is their game. Hate. Mm -hmm. And of course, they want to rationalize that because they believe they're fighting the good fight. But let me say this. If fulfillment is not part of your reality in your soul, uh, you need to fight the good fight in your soul before you fight everybody else. Uh, because now you're causing hell for everybody else. So... Let's, again, take that plank out of our own eye so that we can truly be fulfilled first and foremost. And that's what the Great Commandment is all about. If we can, if we can understand that, then we can mature in that and we grow. And then we fulfill Jesus' mission that he, he gave us, the Great Commission. And that is all about being fruitful. Jesus said now to the mature ones, this is, here's Jesus after the resurrection, giving uh, the mission to uh, the 11 now, disciples. And he says this, he goes, go and now make disciples and, and do exactly what we just did over the last three and a half years, whatever, a couple days here and there, whatever that is, and go make disciples. And if you're doing it properly through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're going to be effective in God's goodness, not in the reality of the world system, which is hell. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And again, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, read Galatians 5, 22, 23, 24. If you want to know what hell is, well, read the verses right before that. And I wish we had time. Uh, but we'll focus on the fruit today rather than what Paul reveals in Scripture right above the fruits of the Spirit. It's, it's just black and white. And if you're experiencing that, we've got to look in the mirror and say, okay, are we, uh, are we living this reality in the sense of the world, religion, because all of this is reality, or are we living in the fruit of the Spirit? So one characteristic of this command being fulfilled and fruitful, what's our next one? Well, the other one is exactly what we've been talking about. Uh, you, uh, one of the characteristics when obeying this command and honoring it is uh, the people that are obeying this command are spiritual versus, or should I say rather, than religious. Okay, and, and that's, that's a huge characteristic uh, of, of that person that's following this command because we are to be spiritual, not religious. Now, it's interesting when you study Christian theology, naturally, we are designed to be religious, but religious under God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, not religious under man. 
-hmm. And you have to know the difference. And I will say that difference is one is spiritual. The other one is religion. And we have to be so careful. And again, we want to think of religion as perhaps that institution. Well, yeah, they're influencing it. But I'm speaking in your own mind, in your own habits or your heart, in your own soul. Are you religious? Well, let's let's kind of look at uh, some of, of those uh, traits that go with this habit. So listen to this, John. A religious person, check this out, this is powerful, wants to get out of hell. Yeah. Okay, rather than a spiritual person doesn't want to return to hell. In our experience, we have people all the time that, uh, especially as pastors, we go in, we're like, listen, we got us out of this hellish situation. Uh, we're now moving forward in our day and age. We're being relevant. But how many people do we connect with and they want to go back to the past? And, of course, they try to rationalize that with their subjective interpretation of the Scripture, with their defensiveness and, and their own pride, and they can't come out of it. And you're like, listen, folks, a religious person wants to get out of hell? Is that you? Or are you spiritual? A spiritual person doesn't want to return to hell. You think about that in every one of your relationship and everything you do. So we should be moving objectively and incrementally once we step into the Christian faith because we're no longer in hell. But I tell you what, we can create hell for each other. I, uh, we've been talking about Galatians chapter 5. I want to encourage folks on the heels of what you just said mm -hmm. to read Galatians 5 verse 1. Yes, yes. About <laughs> Speaks to freedom. that perfectly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, we are to be free, but there's responsibility with that, of course. And that's where God's standard comes in. And we don't live under it. We live in agreement with those standards so that we can be friends with God, where we're truly living in a way that's going to be fulfill fulfilling and effective. So here's another one, John, under the spiritual, not religious uh, characteristic is religious people think like the world versus thinking like Christ. Now, what do I mean by thinking like the world? Well, closed-minded. If, if you're closed-minded in your subjective, in your biases, in your, can I say, in your doctrine, we can just go deeper and deeper with that. But if you are closed-minded, pridefulness, we have to learn how to open our mind to all of reality. Because God is all of reality. And when we're that open-minded with the boundaries of God's goodness, that's responsibility. Oh, my goodness, the world opens up. You're no longer religious. And you'll hear religious people talk about their fellowship. Very little outreach. And if it is outreach, is they believe that that fellowship is just being the expression. And that's their outreach ministry, whatever. And so... They expect people to follow them. They don't go after it. Well, they'll reach out as long as you promise to do it exactly the way they do it. That's right. Uh, Be like me. And if we have enough money mm -hmm. and if we have enough people, we, we know that story. And so, uh, so rather than being closed-minded, let's open our minds first and foremost to God through Christ. That's responsibility. And let's be creative and let's not depend on money and people. Another word for that, let's not depend on wealth because that stops more ministries, more people. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. Well, then get a think tank together. Get your habits and say, what can we do to be creative to make this happen? Oh, and there's something called faith as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I was, you know, my, I was implying there with creativity. That is faith. Mm -hmm. uh, and so huge. 
Now, another uh, aspect of religious people and how they think like the world is they're catastrophic in their thinking. And of course, we're in the middle of a series, John, at the church, so I'm going over each one of these, and we don't have time to go over each one. But hey, come out to Elevating Life Church, tune into our, uh, you know, our channel uh, there on YouTube, or, or get to the podcast or whatever, and we'll talk about each one of these. But here, religious people think like this, closed-minded, uh, they're catastrophic, uh, they have no vision, they're helpless, that means they just take it pers everything personal, they're very pervasive with their problems, and they're permanent. Once you do something wrong, uh, everything is wrong, and you're wrong, and everything's bad, they're victim thinkers, yada, 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 they're pessimistic to the core. And so again, but let's flip that around. How does a spiritual person think? open-minded they're effective or fruitful in how they think and they get things done based on the direction and alignment and execution of god and that whole uh spiritual reality of god they also uh, are aimful they have vision the bible is very clear where there is no vision of god's goodness where there's no revelation you perish mm -hmm. And that means you're not being effective. Fruit's not happening in your relationships or what you're doing. So you're perishing. You're not following uh, the commands of Christ. And if you don't have a vision in place of God's goodness and you're teaching and you're preaching, hey, you might want to look at this command and say, hey, maybe I fit in this category. Because if you don't have a vision of God properly and you're teaching and preaching towards that, that's your own subjectiveness, your own interpretation. And then you yourself are a false prophet. Wow. Yeah, just yeah. called that one out. But it is so true. We have to be that real in our day and age. And so, of course, uh, we have to think like Christ, not think like the world. Uh, of course, religious people uh, use guilt, shame and condemnation. Spiritual people connect love and encourage. Religious people fight the bad fight. You know, uh, everything's bad and we're going to fight it. Uh, spiritual people fight the good fight. There you go. Yeah. So I guess uh, as we wrap up here, Drake, let me ask you one more quick question here. How do we chart the course of life then? We're going to make this so simple and quick. Study the real thing. Study, study Jesus. But not only study Jesus, study the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit under proper sources. Uh, of course, God is our ultimate object. He is the source. But then we have resources, let's put it that way, in the sense of people and books and all of that. Study the real thing and beware of the counterfeit. Yeah, so beware of false prophets. Wow. There's so much more that could be said about this, but hopefully, Drake, uh, people who are listening to this uh, broadcast are understanding that it's incumbent upon us as Christ followers to make sure that we are studying to be approved as as Paul told Timothy. Yes, that's 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 it. That's that's simple. Well, thank you so much, Drake. Always a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me again uh, with our show. With our show. <laughs> I'm John Waters. We'll see you again next time. If you would like to learn more or have any questions or comments, please feel free to email Pastor Drake at wonderfullyweirdliving at gmail.com. To obtain your own copy of the book Wonderfully Weird, please log on to www.wonderfullyweirdliving.com and click on the button that says Buy the Book. Wonderfully Weird Living is a ministry of four-dimensional living offering wholeness coaching for mind, body, soul, and spirit. Also, would you please prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner to help the Wonderfully Weird Living ministry impact more and more lives? 
please log on to www.thenumber4dimensionalliving.com. That's 4dimensionalliving.com with the number 4. Now, for Pastor Drake Hunter, I'm John Waters wishing you a wonderfully weird week.